Ah, yes, welcome to episode 13, Keeping It Real with Chuck Ludy and the Big Fella. And this all started, uh, well, the start of COVID, the pandemic. And uh, I don't like mentioning that word at the moment because uh, it seems to be getting worse and worse. But we must say a very good evening to the stars of the show, starting off with this man. Well, it's a big show. Oh, oh yeah. The gunslinger from Mount Eliza, Darren Chuck Berry. How are you, big man? I thought we had Glenn Maxwell coming on again, did we? We've had him <laughs> for about 13 weeks in a row, but uh, going well. Um, I'd like you, probably a big fella. We might talk a bit later about the football uh, called Geelong and uh, Melbourne yesterday. It was horrible, but we'll touch on that later because I know we've got a very big guest tonight and I'm going to be a little bit confused. I'll let you introduce Tim Ludeman because... The person we've got on tonight, uh, it concerns me because I've been calling him Big Fella for most of my adult life, and mm. I call you Big Fella, so I'm going to have to decipher, but I'll think about that while you introduce the little bald man from Geelong. Oh, yeah, we brought this one back too. <laughs> Timmy Ludeman, how are you, mate? Good to be back. Good to be back. Thanks good to have that song back, too. back too. Yeah, good to have the tune back. Hey, and just uh, a couple of Southwest boys uh, have uh, made the uh, the Vic State team too. Uh, Brody Couch and uh, little Tommy Jackson. That's a fair effort, mate. A couple of your Geelong boys. A couple of Geelong boys. Brody Couch from Naranda. Not only Warnable, but Naranda, the great uh, district it is. And Tommy Jackson from Warnable as well, two uh, up-and-coming superstars. So... Keep an eye out for them too. And Chuck, uh, the first boy from Naranda to make it to Victoria too because I don't think he, he didn't get a contract at the Vicks, did Correct. he? <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Like for a few weeks you tried to introduce him as an ex-South Australian and Victorian cricketer. <laughs> Unfortunately, he had to leave the state to get a game. And let's be honest, he probably only got that because his coach from Carlton uh, went over there, albeit briefly, to coach South Australia. So I'm glad someone from Narendra might actually go all the way this time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You've had a fair bit Sorry, to do Lude. with both these boys, Ludes. Uh, there's a fair bit of talent. One's a mad quick and uh, the other's a pretty good bat. Yeah, Couch, he's uh, probably burst onto the scene with his raw pace. Um, and then obviously Tommy Jackson, he's... Uh, I think he's made five A-grade hundreds as a 19-year-old. So I think there's, I think the only person who's done similar to that is Brad Hodge. So um, in pretty good ilk there, young Tommy. Mm, that's huge. Excuse my ignorance, boys. Is, uh, is can you say Couchy any relation to our good friend, our late friend? No, no. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. Okay, if no, it was, it might be. Yeah, no, I, I, it's a good question, actually, Saka. And, uh, I'd, no. I'd say there probably is a little bit of blood, but it'd be very distant. Yeah, yeah. No, there you go. So a couple of kids to watch uh, for the future. And uh, you spoke about, you know, Mad Quicks and uh, our special guest tonight. Well, this bloke was a Mad Quick. And I'm just going to play this little bit of a, a uh, little transcript out of the uh, the 12th man to give you a bit of an inkling on uh, who our guest is tonight. My friend, Mervyn Hughes, a magnificent reflex catch to take his hat on the Melbourne cricket ground. And the crowd's gone wild. The Australian team's gone wild. It's a great day for Victoria, a great day for Australia. It's a great day for the world and it's a great day for the great man, Mervyn Hughes, the hero of the MCG. I love him. I want to book him. Get him up here. Jeez, Bull, settle down, will you? No, Tony, I won't. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <up. laughs> 
How good was that, the old Billy Birmingham 12th man? And we must say a very good evening to this man, Merv Hughes. He played 53 test matches between 1985 and 1994, taking 212 wickets, 33 one-day internationals taking 38 wickets. He took that famous hat-trick in a test against the West Indies at the Wacker in 88-89, and he actually went on to take eight for 87 in that match. We say a very good evening to Merv Hughes. How are you, big fella? Gentlemen, how are we? All right. I've, I've just before we start, I've just got to take issue, mate. Seriously, yes. you've got naming rights over the big fella. You might be, <laughs> a, you might be a big fella, but you are, are not the big fella. Oi! You stab me on Bricky show. But when you talk about footy too, I've just got to have a bit of a go at Chucky. He's, he's talking up the Saints, mate. Bulldogs has won as many premierships in the last 70 years as the Saints have this year. What are you going Two games. They get excited. Give me a break. Yeah, I know. I think they're, uh, they're wannabes, the Saints, for mine. Boys. But anyway, that's my say. Thanks for having me. Hey, great to have you on. And uh, I want to kick off proceedings because I uh, was sitting at home before I come here tonight watching Home and Away, big fella, and bugger me dead. The old man shake ad come on. Have you had a man shake today, oh, Merv? You're kidding me. Uh, yeah, no, I have. I've, I've been on the man shake um, for my biggest weakness is I don't eat breakfast. I normally skip breakfast, so I've just been having the man shake for that. And a lot of people looking at me and saying that's not working. <laughs> I've got to tell you, if, if it wasn't for the man shake, I'd reckon I'd be three hundred kegs by now. So <laughs> I, I swear by it's a good thing. So you are legitimately having a man shape because I told a story. I had a fitness kick down here as part of a radio uh, breakfast show there uh, probably about four years ago, and uh, they thought I was taking the shakes. I never took one Merv. Uh, just done it on my own bat, but uh, everyone thought I was taking the shakes. Oh, mate, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting one. People do it for different reasons. There's weight loss um, is one side of it. And I'm, mate, I'm happy the way I am. I couldn't be bothered trying to lose weight anymore, but... I'll probably take it more for that the health. So you're getting some protein in that India. And yeah. like I said, if you skip breakfast, you're in trouble. So I reckon I've had it 99% of the time for breakfast over the last five years, at least. And um, I, I just feel um, healthy and strong. <laughs> Not too big, much. Fit. Big fella, big big fella warnable. I've got to preface it by saying big fella warnable. Big fella warnable. Nerd said he doesn't eat breakfast, right? But he makes up for it with two lunches and three dinners. <laughs> Are you good I'm on the fang, Nerd? I'm up with a man take for breakfast. <laughs> hey, now you two boys obviously played a lot of cricket together over the journey, Chuck. Uh, you must have some awesome memories of your time with Merv because uh, he was such a character of the game. Well, I'll be serious for a minute because we're not serious very often on this show. And I've said this publicly before. Uh, and it won't surprise you, Ludy, or big fella Warnable. Uh, he was my favourite teammate uh, that I played with for Victoria. But for the reasons that when I first came into the side, I was a young kid. And to be honest, I took uh, the spot in the team of a very good wicketkeeper called Michael Dimitina, yes. who was also a very good friend of Merv's. They were great mates as well. And it was an awkward situation, to be honest, looking back now when I first came in. And I was the young kid that had started over in Adelaide, even though I was a Victorian. And I got the job, and it was a little bit difficult initially. And I've got to be honest, Merv never made me feel anything but comfortable in the team. And he actually probably stuck up for me on more than one occasion, uh, which we probably don't need to go into uh, in circumstances. But he certainly had my back, and I appreciate it. And without doubt, uh, boys, he was 
the person that taught me as a young kid what it meant to play cricket for Victoria, to wear, to have the honour of wearing the big V. And I've said this before, Merv Hughes played for Australia and people often forget, they think he was a bit of a larrikin. But you read 53 test matches, 212 wickets at 28. They're pretty elite numbers. Uh, first class cricket, 165 matches for 593 wickets at an average of 29. Wow. They are elite numbers. He played for Australia, Victoria, and his club that he loved just as much, Footscray, with the same level of commitment and passion. And that's what I loved. And I'd like to think that's what, well, I never played for Australia, but that's what I did for Victoria or when I played for my club. And I learned that from our special guest tonight. That's enough of the serious stuff. Well, I'm cheering up here. I was going to say, Merv, this is uh, pretty emotional. <laughs> this is a, this no. is uh, yeah. We've had Warney, we've had uh, some no. massive names on uh, this show. Uh, Chatty Says, oh, Timmy right. Payne, we've had them all, and he's never pumped anyone up like this. You must be pretty privileged. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really honoured to be honest to hear those words. I've heard them from Chucky before, um, and like you said, came back so centre of excellence. He went over to South Australia, uh, made his first class debut with South Australia, and then came back to Victoria. And, yeah, it was, it was tough times, but, mate, there's there's 12 boys in a team, and if you don't get on with your team, mate, there, there's something wrong. So uh, I reckon I was more of a senior player then, so I'd been around for a while. So you, you just try and make everyone feel comfortable. All right, Merv, let's go back. To, again, we know, and on this show, we try and go a little bit different, not the stock standard stuff. We all know what a wonderful cricketer you were, and people have seen you on television screens and the most famous moustache in Australian cricket. We might talk a bit later how it was confused one time in Perth. But take us back <laughs> to the early the early Merv Hughes days and people want to know what you were like at school, you know, your, your relationship with your teachers. Oh, were you a really model student, Merv, as a kid? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, good on you, Chuck, mate. Um, <laughs> where have you been school? I went, I went to. Um, yeah, so... Tell us about your school report. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really have a great working relationship with my teachers, Chuck. And I, I think you know that. But uh, my my father, who was a school teacher, was always amazed that uh, my sister, who was a year older, the higher she got in high school, the more homework she got, and the higher I got in high, high school, it seemed like the less homework I got. And that that sum it up. Um, back in those days, I'm a lot older than you and Tim, obviously. Um, but left after form five, and that's unheard of today. But um, virtually, um, I left, well, it was virtually my choice to leave because, well, it was Dad's choice, to be honest, because um, I took the report card home, year, well, Form 5 when I was at school, Year, year 11 now, Chuckles, uh, took yep. the report card home, um, Dad read the report and said, right, you're not wasting my money for another year, go out and get a job. I feel I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> what about that school teacher, Merv? She, I reckon I remember one time you told me that, she said about your science report, and uh, she also said something about your career, where it have to go. No, uh, different teachers, Chuck. Same story, different teachers. Different schools, right. in fact. So Myrtleford High School, second term science report read, uh, bearing in mind we had to hand in 10 assignments each term. My second term science report read, Mervyn has done very little work, handed in <laughs> no assignments, of which you're supposed to hand in 10. Um, <laughs> and in... And in Capital letters had and is potentially dangerous in a laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> the 
other big fella, I cut a bit of flack for that because that, that was my best report that term. And then um, the start of Form form 5, Year 11 at Werribee High School, I'm taking a week off to play Country Week Cricket and uh, got back the, the following week, so I missed a week of school. Uh, Mrs. Ratnick, geography teacher, Mr. Hughes, up the front, where were you last week? Country Week Cricket. She said, I beg your pardon. So I explained concept of country week cricket to her she seemed pretty happy with that um, although she did go on to say you, you took a week off school to play cricket. i said that's right you took a, a week off school to pursue a sport <laughs> correct again and then she looked at me and said do you think that your sport is more important than your education and this stage i thought to myself what a fucking stupid question being <laughs> <laughs> diplomatic i shrugged my shoulders i said possibly not she said mr hughes when you leave school you'll have to be a very good footballer or a very, very good cricketer to make it anywhere I've <laughs> said. Every time I run into her, it just brings a smile to my face. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Did that drive you, do you think, for a fair period of your, your career early uh, days? No, no, not really, mate. I, I, I had other things to do. Um, basically, I, I reckon the last year I was at school, um, filled in time between breakfast and, and training, so whether it was footy <laughs> training or training, and good opportunity to catch up with your mates, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, really, really didn't have a passion at that stage, uh, playing footy in Werribee in the old VFA. Um, so I was playing in the seniors there. So we used to train three, four nights a week, uh, play Sunday, have a few beers Sunday night. So really didn't have that much time to do any homework. Swerve, one more from me, and then I'll hand it over to the boys. I don't want to hog the show, but uh, again, you pl- we know you, you played football. You just touched us, you, and you loved your footy at Werribee and down at Geelong. You had a little run, and I mean, we're trying to cram 20 years of an elite career into sort of 30 minutes here, but I wanted to ask you about your test debut. You've been selected for Australia. Uh, I'm not sure it went exactly to plan, and you probably didn't win that many great supporters in the commentary box, if you could enlighten us. Oh, you know, the first test against India, Adelaide Oval, Chucky, people often ask, can you ever forget your first test match? And I've got my hand <laughs> up. No matter how hard I try, I'll never be able to forget my first test match. <laughs> one, one for 123 off 37 overs, fourth ball duck, and I think possibly two or three drop catches. So it wasn't, wasn't a great start to international cricket. Um, Ian Chappell out of the commentary box, who was someone that, um, you know, as a young bloke, is one of my heroes. So the big three when I was coming up were um, Rod Marsh, Ian Chappell, Dennis Lilly. And Ian Chappell said that um, the problem with Mervyn Hughes is he thinks he's a fast bowler, should go back and concentrate on bowling medium pace bowl, bowling and, and just tighten up a little bit and not give runs away. <laughs> I think that's, that's the biggest bloody kick in the backside I ever got. So... Yeah, it was an interesting first test match. Over to you, boys. Ludy. Um, Irv, I just wanted hey, to hey, take Lude, a bit of whack. What's that? Hey, Lude, Tim, we can talk fishing. I mean, that's correct. That's the I had to go yeah. to big fella to steal my name and chuck the bearing to St Kilda, and, and you got off the hook because you're a fisherman, mate. So, how hey, you been going? You been catching any? <laughs> Oh, you got, you got to stick together. I've been catching a few little trout. There's a little secret happy <laughs> holes. Little trout. <laughs> <laughs> Merv, I want to take you to the Wacker. Now, I know it's a good hunting ground as a bowler, but I'm told every time you went to the Wacker, you used to absolutely give it to the roomie about the towels over there. What was it with the towels? Oh, they just weren't big enough, Ludes. 
Um, <laughs> mate, I, I reckon, I had a look around there one night. I reckon everyone else got a beach towel and I got a tea towel. I just never fit around my waist, mate. Just... <laughs> the, room, the room attendant over there got me the smallest towel all the time, threw it in my direction. There, there you go. So I was a little bit, little bit perturbed by that. But um, in hindsight, you're probably thinking possibly all the towels were the same size. I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> You'd have to ask Chuck. But I always seem to get the one that went through the, the hot wash and, and the hot dry system. Shrinkage. Oh, that's gold. Shrinkage. Shrinkage, Joey. Yeah, it's shrinkage. And every time you got one of those towels, you go, shoot, those towels are getting smaller. And all the boys are rolling on the ground going, I reckon your guts is getting bigger. <laughs> well, man, especially early on in your career, you used to cop a bit too, didn't you, off the uh, you know the commentators and the media and stuff about your size and your weight and stuff, didn't you? Oh. I remember that This This COVID-19 has been good. I've been watching the, the old days. I'm... I'm sitting there watching test matches like the 89 series was on. And I'm looking at that thinking, I used to cop shit for being fat then. Like, mate, I, was, I was about, having, having said that, I was, I was 100 k's. <laughs> but um, you're just thinking, geez, I, I cop shit for being fat then. I was only in the size 36 then. So, <laughs> mate, and people see me now and say, gee, you're looking fit. And you look at him and say, mate, I'm 150 fucking kegs. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen a 36 since I was about 25. Oh, mate. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? Ludes, what else you got? You got any other lures out there, Ludes, or not? I want to share a little story. That uh, I was in Port Ferry over Easter one time, and uh, I dropped Merv a message and said, I'll meet you down at the pub for a beer on Easter Sunday. He goes, you're right, I'll meet you at the star at midday. <laughs> Went down there, and I don't know if Merv remembers this, but I took me father-in-law and a couple of his mates down. We sit at the front bar, and the only bloke there, Merv buys every raffle ticket for the day off the barman. He ends up winning the prize, which was thirty pots, <laughs> and he wouldn't and he wouldn't let us leave until we drank them all. And I went home at six o'clock for dinner with my father-in-law, and he couldn't talk. He could not stand up. <laughs> And his wife went absolutely crazy, and it's all on the back of nerve. <laughs> oh, mate, you know, I, cop, I cop that a lot, don't I, Chucky? Um, as soon as someone gets, gets uh, or has a few too many to drink, I, I seem to be the, the person behind it. You're like the tease punch. <laughs> hey, Merv, I want to ask, like the, remember the stretching, okay? Remember when that first kind of started? Uh, and, yeah. and, and I've I've uh, been a fan of yours for a long, long period of time, but I'm actually in uh, the photos uh, behind you. Myself, my father, and my uh, my brother, uh, we were in Bay 13 that day, and every time that photo gets produced, uh, I can pluck it out. Uh, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Uh, just the atmosphere. I was only, I reckon, about uh, 12 at the time. It was just huge. Um, yeah, it was massive. It was massive at the time, and um, we go back to the the MCG before the big screens were up. Um, so, as a player, with your back to the crowd, I, I really didn't have a um, any idea what was going on until I saw the the replays that night. And you think, oh, that's pretty special, isn't it? And virtually after that, every time we went to the MCG, every time the Australian team played at the MCG in a in a day night, or I didn't play too many of them. Um, I got sent down to Bay 13 and um, the 
the reception I got down there and the support that I got from the guys in Bay 13, uh, forever grateful for that. It was absolutely fantastic. What, what's your funniest story, like crowd story, Merv? Either sledging over the fence or funniest thing you've seen happen in Bay 13 or wherever it might be around the world? Mm. Oh, I reckon one of the better ones was, like, I copped a fair bit uh, over in the UK, but one of the better ones was the, the Test match in Perth. Um against the West Indies, where in the first innings, um, Viv Richards came out and made 146 knots. And we're, we're getting a few wickets here and there, but the West Indies, they made a massive score. I reckon we got about possibly the, the sixth or seventh wicket, and Tony Dottomade came in from, from fine leg and said, hey, AB, there's a bloke down there reckons he, he knows Viv Richards' weakness. And A.B. sort of turned around. Oh, yeah, what is it? And God has said, it's kryptonite. That would be Viv Richard's only weakness. Mate, he, he was absolute far. But, mate, some of, some of the stuff you caught, um, I, I still reckon one of the better ones was to Matthew Hayden. Remember that um, uh, cookbook he put out? Yes. Yep. They so put it out just before Christmas one year, as, as you do as a good bookseller. And he said he was, he was playing the, um, the test match in Sydney. So people had had a little bit of time to digest it, you know, probably 10 days after Christmas, whatever it is. Um, he went out bad in the first innings. And Queensland-New South Wales relationships, not as bad as New South Wales-Victoria, but getting there. Yep. Okay. Um, so he goes out to bat and he, he gets out and he's coming in. And he's, he's just walked in and normally when he gets out early, it was pretty early, he normally doesn't, and he just came in, big smile on his face and uh, walks through and went, what's going on here? He's like normally throws about and carries on. That didn't happen. He just walked into the room and he come back out. And he said, well, he knows what he's talking about. And I said, what happened there? He said, well, when you're coming off, hey, Hayden, you're a crap batsman. And that recipe on page one eighty six to curry chicken tastes like shit. <laughs> he went in, had a look at his cookbook, and on page one eighty six it was a chicken fucking curry. <laughs> apparently, apparently it's not real good that way. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, big 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 fella Footscray, uh, big fella Footscray. Uh, I, this is a serious one, and, and I'll probably never ask you this, but all the cricket nuffies around the world always ask this question, so I might as well be the cricket nuffy that asks this question. You mentioned Viv Richards, and uh, in isolation, I did watch you bowl to him a little bit at the Gabba, and it uh, looked like you had a bit of a sore neck that day. But uh, Gordon, Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Haynes, I think you might have even bowled to Sonny Gavaskar, and then the two more, I'd say modern day, but Lara, Tendulkar, I could go on. You bowled to all the greats. Was there one that stood out? You might have already answered the question. That one. I mean, you were a fast bowler. You put the wind up a lot of people. Michael Atherton obviously um, sends his regards. But was there <laughs> one move that you bowled to and you thought, shit, I'm in danger here? Um, well, early in my career, I suppose because you're early in your career, you're a little bit more intimidated and you've been watching these guys on TV. But certainly early in your career, Viv Richards... Was, was a hell of a player and probably lucky to get him towards the end of his career, to be honest. Um, so I didn't play that much against him, but Richie Richardson was outstanding. Um, Sonny Gavaska made 160 not out in, in my first test match. 
um, at mm. the Adelaide Oval in in 1985, if that had been a timeless test match, Chuck, we'd still be batting today. Um, <laughs> we, we, never, we never looked like getting in out. So early in my career, those two, uh, Viv and Sunil, were, were standouts. And you mentioned a couple later on. Um, Lara Lara and Tanduka were, were fantastic towards the end of my career. But the other bloke that is really not rated, that I, I rated highly, um, was Michael Atherton, um, who... Yep. People talk about, like, Aussies tend to remember him when Glenn McGrath had his measure. But I, I remember Athers when he came into the side in 89. England weren't doing too well against Australia, and his performances in that time were outstanding. And, mate, you have a, you have a look at him and, and think about Michael Atherton, and the words that come to mind are probably inept, insipid, weak, scrawny. But he, he was one of the mentally toughest players that I played against. He was, he was a very good player. You wouldn't say he's as mm-hmm. skillful as the other two, but, but certainly had that mental toughness that made him a great player. Ludy? Um, interesting. Uh, Merv, I'll, I'll go fishing, actually. I did want to touch on that. Your fishing show, it's obviously going pretty well. How'd that come about? And probably what's been your favourite trip or show so far? Um, yeah, good question. I love talking about me fishing now. Um, yeah, probably it's been going. It's been going for for uh, five seasons. The sixth season starts on on Sunday, so seven made about four thirty. So if you're doing nothing and you want to laugh, get on board. But um, they've just replayed series five. We had we had a few issues with it early doors. Um, didn't quite get didn't quite get it right. But certainly the last two years, it's been. I've been very happy with it, to be honest. Um, and it came about, you may remember a bloke by the name of Jason Kennedy through Fishing Trip. Um, yep. He was on a lot of rural TV um, around Australia and he had, had that show, uh, Fishing Trip, and he, he contacted me uh, to see if I'd get involved and probably the only reservation I had, and that's what I said to him, I said, mate, I'm no expert. I, I just I just enjoy the fishing. And he said, well... That's the message we want to try and get across. It's not about the biggest and the best. It's about getting out there and having a go and, and learning. So um, to get out, to go up to Darwin and fish with locals up there, to get across to, to Broome in Western Australia and, and fish with the locals there. Mate, you know yourself, if you, you fish with the locals, you, you've been put on the spot, you've been told what time of the year to get there, and you don't have to worry about sorting out baits or rigs or, or lures or whatever you're using. It makes, makes it a lot easier. So... That way it's been a lot of fun. And the second part of the question, best place I've been to, um, probably Dippery Lodge in, in Northern Territory. So fly into Darwin, out from Darwin. Um, it's in Arnhem Land. Um, it's, it's just a fantastic place. So you, you go over there with a bunch of mates, you, you fly in for about seven days to ten days and, and just fish your, fish your ring off. Um, fish all day, every day. It's a, it's a great spot to go. You've been to the Humpty Doo pub, big fella? I have been to the Humpty Doo pub. They didn't have enough beer. Yeah, big Dick Leach and the boys. Well, I'm just going to share a little story, okay? Humpty Doo, Dick Leach, a horse trainer up there. We used to get up to the uh, the Darwin Cup a fair bit. I think Dick's got an interest yeah. in the pub up there. He's a concrete pumper. Uh, he's, yeah. a, he's a legend up that way. And uh, Berry Springs, have you ever been to Berry Springs, boys? I have been to Berry Springs. 
Well, they named that after me, big fella, because I played up there for two years. So they <laughs> named that after me and my uh, my elders. Yeah, well, it's just up from. Oh, just hang up on, from... hang on, big fella. Before we go any further, <laughs> do you really want to open that two door two year window, Chuck? Should we talk about what happened up in Darwin? Yeah, I think no, I think we should move. I, I think we should. I don't know whether we should. I'm going to put my I'm going to put my story on the back burner here. Move, let's go. Let's I don't go. think we should move on this sort of family environment. I mean, unless you're going to talk about when we went fishing that day uh, <laughs> on that fishing tour. We'll I remember that bloke. That bloke that took us 150 bucks a head, and we went out for three hours off the Darwin Harbour, and we caught sweet fa. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think I'll talk about Chucky, but yeah. we'll move on. Sorry, big fella, you get back to Barry I Spring. don't think place. I do not think that uh, he was going to go no, there. I think uh, we were talking about a boat tri- a boat trip, but another type of boat trip, a dead calm sort of experience. Oh, but we no. might let that go through to the keeper. <laughs> well, it is, it is called keeping it real. Anyway, we went to Berry Springs. Uh, a few of the horse trainers, uh, Jared McLean, Simon Wild. Uh, we had little Dean Yendel with us, and uh, we we thought we'll go out there for a. I think Andrew Mellion was with us as well at the time. We thought uh, we'll go out for a little bit of a dip at Berry Springs, and uh, there's a, a little kind of a uh, a little. I suppose, like a watering hole that then kind of fans into the big watering hole down the end. And, and you know, you can kind of swim between one or the other. And they've got seven croc traps, uh, you know. So if, if a croc gets to the seventh, you're pretty stiff if there's a crocodile in there. But there always seems they get to four or five, but they don't get all the way up to Berry Springs. Anyway, you're always a little bit wary of the crocodiles up there. And uh, we're kind of just wading between the small pool and the big pool. And I had a couple of boys kind of just behind me. I was leading the way and just kind of swimming over the top of rocks you can feel a little bit of rock underneath you and stuff and next minute this little indigenous boy would have been 10 years old he popped up straight in front of my face about two inches away and i have never crapped myself so much i literally (laughs) flung back in the mid-air the boys nearly caught me on the way back i shit myself jeez it was a pisser i thought it was a big croc coming to get the big units the crocs get in every up i can't believe can i just say something if there's a crop trap Somewhere in a water pool, surely you wouldn't swim there. Yeah. Sure. No. <laughs> croc truck normally spells to me crocodile. Well, I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there. I was just, they've got seven traps up the river, and if they get to the seventh, you're pretty stiff, they reckon. So, Well, this, this one may or may not have happened, okay? So I, I don't know whether we'll get into trouble, but this one may or may not have happened. Yes. But I, I've got a good mate up there, and you know who he is. Chucky, um, I go out fishing mm. for the first time, him and a mate, and we go over to West Arm, so in Darwin Harbour, and there's a croc trap there. Oh, what? It's, gee, it's a big croc trap. Yes, there's big crocs around, so they've got to have big traps. He said, you know what a great photo is? You stand on the croc trap, and we'll take a photo of you. Oh, no. And I thought, what harm could be done? <laughs> <laughs> And they take off. Now the first. What's so they've corner, left you on the trap? Their first corner, I reckon, is a K away. I could still hear them laughing when they were going around the corner. <laughs> and I'm just there thinking, what the hell is going on? I reckon they come back and got me 45 minutes later. <laughs> and I'm just there, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? So they come back. They reckon it's a great joke. I'm just in the boat on. I'll kill you too. So that's not a problem. I reckon five years, or maybe 
roll the clock forward 25 years, this may or may not happen again. But you know that arm just that, that's right in town? We took a, a mate up there, so a Melbourne boy up there, me and my friend, and we said the same thing to him. You know what's a good, good photo? Jump on the truck trap. We'll take a photo of it. And we took off. You have never heard anyone scream so loud. Now, I'm thinking, in my situation, don't draw any attention to yourself. Stand still and quiet, and you might get through this. This bloke, mate, you could hear him three miles away. That's how far we go. And we thought, we better go back and get him. Now, that may or may not have happened. If it's going to upset anyone, it didn't happen. All right? <laughs> what the a bunch of mates! Play. Seriously, who do you hang around with, you boys? Like Jesus exactly. Christ, leave I, me on a crop trap. I hang around with people of the character of Darren Berry. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- so with that, with that big fella, Warnable, I wasn't going to bring this story up, and uh, you know we don't want it to become a sportsman's night because he's one of the best public speakers going around as well. But I think this one has to be brought up because you know, you know, everyone listening to our podcast knows that Merv Hughes' mustache is the most famous mustache. I mean, there was others, and we won't bring up any names yet because I'll let Merv just quickly tell the story. Damien Fleming and myself are two young kids, and we're in the Victorian team with Merv, and we win a game in Perth. So we thought, righto, we're out with the big fella tonight. And I might let him take it up from there just to finish <laughs> off this story. I regularly went to the Bayview in Claremont. Is that right? Co- correct. Up Upstairs, we're walking upstairs. We get there a little bit late. I've got the two young blokes with me. I'm the old experienced bloke. I've just taken 13 weeks in the test match at the Wacker. Like, big. hello. Bigger than Texas. We're in WA. We're at the back of this line, I reckon, which is 150 metres long. Get up the stairs, we're on the platform, and Chuck and Flam, mate, get up there, you're an Australian cricketer, just walk up to the front door, tell them who you are. I said, mate, not my cup of tea, like, I don't do that sort of shit. If they see you, they'll call you up. If they don't see you, and all of a sudden, bouncer at the front, waving, pointing. And I've looked at Chuck, I've looked at Flam, I said, this is our time, boys. Come with me. <laughs> right straight up to the front. And they're giving it that, oh, great to see you, big fella. It's fantastic. I said, yeah, no, no, good to be here. Dipper! Dipper! I've got to practice match over here. I've got two young boys with me. If we want to go in, get no worries, Dipper. Off you go. Now, this... This is 19, I reckon, eight. Oh, yeah, 1988. You reckon Chuck let me forget it? Fleming uh, and I have dined on that. Fleming and I have dined out on that for 30 years. <laughs> Dipper, Dipper. Oh, my God. Oh, that is brilliant. Ludy, you got anything else, mate? I'm done. No, I'm done. <laughs> I, I want to ask Merv, like you, you know, you would have had some. What was the craziest night out you've ever had? Like you know, celebrating uh, a win or something like. And it might not be in Australia; it might be overseas. But what was something that was just out of this world? Shit, how long? Oh, oh. Yeah, mate, I'd, probably I'd love to help you out, but I get a couple of hours in, I forget stuff. Um, <laughs> now, listen, Phil, some of the the shield, uh, just 
Tim and Chuck will tell you, if you're you're in the state, you win a Shield game, mate, that's that's massive at the time. So you celebrate that. And, and certainly uh, with the Victorian boys, had a couple of good nights. Um, with the Aussie boys, same thing. Um, and probably the, the best nights are where you actually stay in the change rooms till... You know, close to midnight, then just go back to the team hotel because it's it's just your group there. Yeah. Um, and and they're the nights that I reckon I remember most of the the nights where it's it's not out and about and everyone spreads out and everyone goes to different places. It's it's where you stick together as a team. Um, and, and certainly uh, to to play cricket with with Victoria and, and the group that we had there. Play the time that I did with Australia, uh, we played hard. Uh, when we won, we celebrated hard, and then we, we turned around and trained hard so we could win some more, so we could celebrate some more. But, but I could, I, I could go through a hundred different nights. I'd mm. be here for the next month. Can, can I just ask one thing that just springs to mind too? What about the run-up move? Like, you know, the traditional run-up, uh, you know, when you're coming in the bowl is kind of pretty straight on uh, with the crease. But you kind of uh, started the, uh, you know, the kind of on the angle, didn't you? Um, yeah, yeah, I had. There's a reason for it. Um, I had a, a few. Well, I had a lot of back problems when I was younger because I had virtually a really open bowling action. So when I ran in straight, back foot landed, um, front foot sort of sprayed out towards point, and I used to bowl sort of around myself. And to to put it on a bit of an angle, my thinking was, and, and did a lot of work with Alan Connolly too early with in the Victorian days to get it right um, and Ron Gaunt down at Footscray but if you ran in on a bit of an angle and your foot sprayed out it actually went towards the stumps so that actually straightened you up so there was a reason for it um, so basically it was to, to take, take pressure off the, the uh, back injuries that I was having early in the career Love it, love it, there you go Simple as that boys <laughs> Big fella, Wallable, I know you've got the fishing quiz that you're going to do with uh, with Ludie. Do you, do you want to go with the 10 with Chuck? Or yeah, let's go. Let's go with... the 10 with Chuck, and uh, you'll crack up at this, uh, Merv. Uh, this is uh, big Chuck Sarka's uh, little baby, and uh, I reckon you'll have a bit of fun with this. What? Hey, Merv, who's, your, uh, who, who's your boat sponsor, Merv? Is it JV Marine? Yeah, JV Marine. Very good. Yeah, yeah, we'll make it up. We'll make this segment after. We'll make this segment after JV Marine because I'm I'm in the market for a boat. So we'll look after them and give them a shout <laughs> out, eh, Chuck? We'll have a talk to the market staff and Greggy Walker down there for you. Um, what are you What are you looking for? Fishing boat, oh, anything? Kenny, or Fishing you want boat, to you for sure. up the offshore, the, the yellow fin offshore, what six 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 point five meter? Oh, just something like you've got, move. I reckon that's a pretty good setup. <laughs> No, little little five point three. Then it goes, friend. Use it anywhere. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Righto, yeah. Well, this is this is um, this is ten quickies with Chuck, and it's thanks to JB Marine, obviously. I love it. I love it, mate. If you get a boat out of this, Ludie, you've done super. You've, you've just got to give us. Uh, it's one of those no, no long answers. It's pretty much a one word. Some of them are tough. Yep. Don't worry. Some of them are easy. One word, and you've got to make a decision. If there's a, if there's a justification, I'll give you 15 seconds to justify. Question okay. one. Question one. What's the greatest love of your life, apart from your beautiful wife, Sue? We'll leave her out of this. What's your greatest love, fishing or cricket? Now fishing. Now fishing. Okay. 20 years ago, <laughs> fishing or cricket? Oh, cricket. 
Beautiful. All right, years ago, I played football, Chuck, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Probably all the same. Most of us were footy, and then we, we weren't. None of us were good enough, so we went to cricket, yeah. and you went to the top of the tree. Uh, here's Mate, a this, tough this one quick, for you. This quick ten with Chuck's going to take half an hour. The way we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alan Border or Mark Taylor? Ooh. Why do you ever play under Alan Border? AB beer, beer, wine, beer. spirits. Or all of the above. Just stop it, beer. Yeah, beer. What's your go-to <laughs> beer, Merv? What do you like? A cold one. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't confuse the issue. Beer, good beer. Good beer is free beer. Uh, good beer is cold beer. Um, and my life, yeah, I, I go three phases. So, yeah, just beer. We'll, we'll leave it at beer. Uh, you're a passionate Western Bulldog supporter, so I need you to decide, and you might want a 30 seconds, Chris Grant or Scott West? Oh. Chris Grant. Oh, right, eh? Who do you think you terrorised more as a fast bowler, Michael Atherton or poor old Paul Jackson in the nets for Victoria? <laughs> or, or James Brayshaw. Or Brayshaw. Actually. Jacko, Jacko was a victim of circumstance. He was a spin bowler, so if you're having target practice, you want to hit someone that can't get your back. So he's, he's <laughs> unfortunately target practice. Well, I must admit, boys, uh, he gave James Brayshaw, uh, every time we played him, a fearful pounding with the ball, with the verbals. But unfortunately, old Jimmy Brayshaw, he made a lot of runs against the Vic, so unfortunately it didn't work. He got him a couple of times. Uh, well, Chucky, the, the good thing about that was he could unleash every line you had because he did bat a long time against us. He is a very good player and a very good player against Victoria. Batted for a long time and um, you, you've got to, I, I reckon he was deaf. He couldn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> No, he ignored it. He only had one shot, the cut shot, and be fair to say, Merv fed it a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. this, this in hindsight, probably an easy one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's probably easy because I know this bloke's one of your best mates, but uh, I'm talking as a cricketer. Tony Dottermade or Simon O'Donnell? Oh, you're making it tough, Chuck. Listen. I know. Love, love them both. Um, but I played more with Tony Donnelly. Played club cricket with him. I reckon I played seventy of my eighty-six Shield games with him. Um, so saw him develop. Jeez, I'd have to say Donners. Okay, now I, I thought you would have. It's a tough question. Tough yeah. question. Uh, so, but if I'd, have, if I'd have played with Essen, then I would have said Simon O'Donnell. But my Dottie's Dottie. No. Footscray, Footscray, and now the the grounds named after Tony Dottermade and Merv Hughes. They're just near uh, the uh, the Flemington Racecourse, built on an old um, an old uh, tip, I think, and uh, some foul yeah. gas emanating out of the Merv Hughes <laughs> Oval, which is very appropriate, I would have thought, boys. Yeah, it's, big, it's a big ground, Chuck. It's a very big ground. It soaks up liquid and leaks methane gas. <laughs> Appropriately named, gentlemen. It's the most named ground in Australia. The Western Suburb Chernobyl. Which hotel do you think you cause more havoc? The Castle in North Melbourne or Maloney's in Hobart? Oh, oh. <laughs> be, be a close, close of the coin, this one. Um, probably, 
probably I would say Maloney's because I didn't have to drive home. <laughs> well, I was left to say we had some bloody good nights in Slobart at Maloney's and uh, oh, Merv entertained me many a night doing a few laybacks in Maloney's in Slobart. It was gold. Maloney's uh, or Mahoney's? Mah- well, we called it Mahoney's, but it was Maloney's, oh. but we called it Mahoney's after yeah. Police Academy, I think. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Mahoney. Um, now, this is a, probably a dumb question, but I'm asking it because you've done one of them and you haven't done the other. Uh, would you prefer to play a Boxing Day test at the MCG, which you've done, or play it full back for the doggies in that flag? Oh. Oh. Oh, I reckon, I reckon if I had to play it full back in the doggies in 2016, I don't reckon we would have won the flag, Chuck. Who would you have played on, Buddy <laughs> Franklin? I'll, I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take the Boxing Day. <laughs> Uh, that's good, and you entertain many of us there. I asked this one to everybody, and uh, as you would imagine, Shane Warne really appreciated this question when he was a guest on our show. Steve Wall or Mark Wall? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, see, mate, I'm I'm a huge Steve Wall fan. I'm I'm a bit like Shane Warne. Love Steve yeah. Wall. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the answer would have been different. Uh, I, like I'm. I've actually played most of my test career with, with Steve War. Now, Mark War's a sensational player, and I, yep. I actually liken him to Greg and Ian Chappell, is yep. that if you wanted to pay money to watch someone bat, you'd go and watch Mark yep. War all the time. If you wanted yep. someone to bat for your life, you'd pick Steve War all the time. Yeah, right. Yep. Good call. Uh, good, good analogy. I've not heard that. That's good. And the last one on 10 quickies with Chuck, thanks to JV Marine, which is great to have him on board tonight. <laughs> Number 10, in one word, how would you describe yourself on the golf course? Ordinary. That'll do. That's 10 with Chuck. Thanks to JV Marine. Tim Luderman wouldn't mind a little uh, six-foot tinny if you don't mind. It's cool. Over to you, (laughs) fellow Warnable. Well, talking about sponsors... The Nissan Warrior would be magnificent, I reckon, Ludie, to tow that renegade boat from JV Marine. What do you drive, Merv? What rig are you driving at the moment, big fella? Oh, I've got a Ford Everest myself. Oh, mate, no. You I'm, have... in, I'm in the market. So... Well, if you are in yeah. the market, mate, Clinton Bolsh at Warnable Nissan, uh, the Warrior, mate, they are absolutely magnificent motor vehicles, and he's got oh, some great right. deals. You've got Clinton's mobile phone, I'll give him a call. We'll give you. We'll pass you. We'll pass on the uh, the call because he will look after you like you wouldn't believe, Merv. I'm telling you. And they tow hey, big fella, unbelievably big well. Fella warnable, yes. Big fella warnable. Don't make false promises. You <laughs> promised Shane Warren you were going to get him a Nissan Warrior for his daughter, and all he got was three hot damn donuts. So don't promise Merv something, Mate, please. Warn his hey, daughter. Chucky. I'd be happy with three hot damn donuts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I reckon Bolshe would be too. Don't worry. <laughs> I will hook you up, okay? Merv, you're going to get hooked up with a great man. He's a ripping fella too, that is for sure. Hey, we are going to play the quiz, okay? And you blokes thought it was going to be about fishing. Well, I've stuffed that right out the door. It's going to be about oh. famous moustaches because Merv's got one of the best moustaches going around. And uh, let's just... Can I answer first? Can I answer? Dipper? Dipper? <laughs> Dipper. <laughs> you're, not, you're not going to believe it, but Dipper was featuring. I've had to go on and make up another question. <laughs> <laughs> right, I say, Merv, your buzzer is your name, big fella, so just 
Destiny out for us. And who am I up against here? You're up against Ludi. Okay. Test your buzzer, Murph. Test, test your buzzer, Murph. He, he had a moustache. We went for a kick down at Port Ferry. He had a moustache at the start. It was a little bit windy. It's clean shaven by the end of it. Well, he hasn't got much on top, mate. So if he's got some on the uh, bottom lip or the top lip, he's probably doing all right. <laughs> test your buzzer, Merv. Merv. Ludi. Ludi. Right, eh? Let's do this, boys. Shark, you're the scorer, okay? Question number right. one. Famous, Merv. famous mustaches. Merv. Yes, Merv. Right. John Newcomb. <laughs> Actually, he's not featuring. Right, eh? Question right, number one. Name the actor who was the star of Magnum P.I. Yes, Merv. Tom Solik. <laughs> Off to a fly. Yeah, big he's big down at the block to be quick. Unbelievable. Right. Tim Lee wouldn't even know who Magnum was. Mate, th- these two blokes. <laughs> think it was an ice cream. They know nothing about TV shows <laughs> or actors. I'm telling you, it's been embarrassing. Right, <laughs> question number two. What was the name of the greatest wrestler of all time that sported a blonde moustache? Merv. Yes, Merv. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Is your buzzer working, Looney? Benjamin Button's still with us, or has he passed away? <laughs> no, I'm letting Merv win. I want to get a free boat. <laughs> Righto. Question number three. Ron Burgundy sported a really famous moustache in what iconic film? Ooh. Ludi. Yes, Ludi. Anchorman. Yes. Yeah. Score check, Chuck. Like I was going to say the newsboy. The <laughs> <laughs> And to be honest, big big fella Warnable, when you said Ron Burgundy, I thought you were talking about Ron Jeremy, and I was worried where you were going. I was really concerned. Duck on target, adults only, come on. Uh, okay, question. Uh, that's Ludeman, Ludeman 1, Hughes 2. Right, question number four. Borat sported a cracking moustache in the movie of the same name. What's his real name? Mm. Merv. Yes, Merv. Mancini. Ludi <laughs> <laughs> free shot. Oh, no, that's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't. It's a tough one. Know. It's a tough one. Do you know uh, Chuck? <laughs> I do know, but it's a bit like the littlest hobo. I do not uh, know. <laughs> oh, I do know. Just give me the He's looking it up on Google. <laughs> Sasha you want to bore out him? Baron Cohen. You want to bore do you want to Borat Borat. impersonation, Stewie? Yeah, can you do Borat? Hi, my name is Borat. I like you, I like a sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a point. Chuck a point on Ludeman, Barry. Chuck a point yeah, on. I should reckon. get a point for Mancini. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll give me a half. Heart <laughs> two and a half. Tim Ludeman two. So is this the decider for the JV Marine now? Outrigger 64 footer or whatever it is. This... Oh, mate, it's a Renegade 5.3, Chuck. Get it right. A Renegade 5.3 that gets towed. 25 on the back. By the Nissan Minkota, Warrior. Minkota, 80 pound thrust on the front. Jeez, oh, beautiful. Can't we'll wait get, to have one of them in my driveway. We'll get, we'll get the, we'll the stress free Marine um, wind anchor. We'll be all good. Oh, I love this. It's unbelievable. This is double Dutch. Right, this is, double this is for the victory. Okay. <laughs> this is for the victory. That famous porno movie back in the eighties called Merv. Boogie Nights starred what famous actor? <laughs> John Hunt. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> please! But what was the bloke's name in it? It started with D. 
Don, no. <laughs> Don's John's brother. <laughs> it was Dirk Diggler. Move, move, move. That is you, big fella. <laughs> Uh, What's happening? Is Johnny, is Johnny still with us, Johnny Ames? Is he no, still around? He's, he's gone. No. No. Died, died of loss of blood to the head. <laughs> yeah. Blood, yeah. Blood flow was the issue. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, uh, Merv, well done, big fella, and uh, we appreciate you coming on, mate. It's been fantastic to chat. Uh, we know that you're a, a funny fella, a ripping bloke, and they've been a, an icon uh, in the Australian sporting world for such a long time. We really appreciate it, mate. Cheers, Dave. Thanks for having us on, Chucky, Tim. Good catching up with you, boys, and big fella. You can carry the name. I'll let you, I'll let you do it for the podcast, mate. <laughs> I love it. I love it, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Wervin. I'm going to hook you up with Bolshie, okay? And uh, Ludi, you can hook up with Merv and uh, see what you both can get going, get happening. <laughs> Thanks, Merv. Good on you, Merv. Great yeah, stuff. Good on you, mate. Merv Hughes, our special guest on uh, Keeping It Real, episode 13. And, boys, I want to talk about uh, AFL football before we finish up tonight. You've been in the commentary box, uh, Chuck Sarka. You've been calling the games, mate. For mine, I've got no interest whatsoever in the footy this year. I've just absolutely lost it. Okay, well, can we? Uh, we just had a new segment, Tim, with Chuck, thanks to JV Maroon. Can, if you're going to get on your off the long run, I think we're going to have to call this the Big Fellas Beef of the Week. What is upsetting you on Big Fellas Beef no, of the Week? Well, What's your problem? Merv's still on the line, actually. Merv, you, you, you obviously follow the footy a bit too big fella. Like, I, yeah. I, I've just got to... I've been saying this for a long time. They have made too many rule changes over the journey. And, and when we're in isolation, it really come to a head for mine because they had all the great games on of the 80s and the 90s and that free-flowing, high-scoring games of football. And we've come back and they've served up this crap. They play zones. The players are like robots now. They have too many interchanges. And uh, the game is not the game that it was. There was There's no big hey, marks hey, big now. Fella, yes? i just got a question for you. Yes. Who, who do you follow? Richmond Merv. Yeah, if I was a Richmond supporter, I would have lost interest too. <laughs> <laughs> I keep because I get a fair bit on social media, but uh, all I say, yeah. the thing for yeah. me is we've Mate, won two out of the last yeah. three and we've beaten Geelong in two of those preliminary finals. Yeah. That's enough for me to go to bed and just... just no, the, the big big thing with it, um, and Gil McLaughlin, I don't know whether you saw any news today, but Gil McLaughlin said... Oh, said it today, it's, a, it's going to be a football season like no other. And the 15-minute yeah. quarters, what, what happens there? I'd like to know how much in that last five minutes of those quarters do the better teams win where they wear the, the lesser team down. Mm. So obviously there's a lot more goals, or well, a lot less goals being scored, a lot more last year with the time. But only having those 15-minute quarters makes a hell of a difference. And you can defend for a lot longer um, in 15 minutes, where if you go over that 15-minute bracket, I reckon the defence gets a little bit tired mm. and the better teams get on top. But, but the, you know, the coaches to blame, though, here, boys, seriously, because they're playing for their careers or they're coaching for their careers. You know, are they making it boring? You know, Clarko's come out and you know, Chris Scott and all those kind of boys have come out in the last 24 hours and said, you know, the game's 
you know, not going where we want. But at the end of the day, they're the coaches. They're the ones that are setting up the, the game style and the way they're playing. And I reckon hats off to Kenny Hinckley because he's playing Charlie Dixon out of the square and they're having a bit of success with it. I just, I just reckon the game's lost it. I honestly do. Well, on the weekend, uh, Merv just said it's going to be a football season like no other, which I wrote those words down because that means St Kilda could win the flag if it's a football season like no other. <laughs> uh, we, my mob, my mob, and it's one game, Merv's right, you know, not a lot to crow about if you like, but I called Richmond and St Kilda the other night. It was a great game of footy because it moved fast. Both teams attacked 15 goals to 11 from memory off the top of my head. I thought it was a great game. And then yesterday, I called Geelong and Melbourne. Uh, I'm telling you, it's one of the worst games of footy I've ever called. At halftime, it was two goals versus two goals. It was keepings off, sideways, backwards, chip around. It was, it was like watching two teams that were too scared to let the other team score. Mm. And there was a zone, as you said, big fella. Now, Chris Scott, you know, he's, he's had... A good, pretty good career. Uh, we've got Simon Goodwin, a young coach at, at uh, Melbourne. But I'm telling you, and when I was commentating, I said, does any one of these teams actually want to try and win the game? So I share your frustration there. But then again, uh, on Friday night or Saturday night or whatever it was, Saints and Richmond was bloody exciting to watch. So mm. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but there is some pretty dull games at the moment. I, I, reckon, it's a, I reckon the AFL, it's got to be a little bit of a concern. You know, we've had a, a fair period without any football and stuff <coughs> and people's interest wane and, and stuff like that. But I, I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I reckon it's just too, you know, like... They they have too many interchanges for mine, right? I I reckon cut in a, when you when we used to play right back in our day, probably before your time, Ludie. But if you got taken off the ground, you were filthy, you know. Like, but nowadays they're wanting to come off, you know. Like, and they're wanting to be at their peak and all that kind of stuff. I just reckon you got to let the players get out there play. <coughs> Cut the cut the interchanges to five a quarter or something, and make them stay out in the ground and play in positions or something. I don't know, but I just I reckon they need to look at something like that. Stewie, I reckon, um, like, just looking at it, the AFL, they've come out and they've, you know, said, don't agree with Clarko and whatever else. But they've got a big role to play in this. They're talking about flexibility and we have to be adaptable and it's going to be a season like no other. This weekend, you look at the rounds, Port versus Brisbane is going to be match of the round. It'll be the best best game for the round, more than likely. And yet it's getting played on Foxtel. Why not help the fans out mm. enjoying the game and put the best game in the round on free-to-air TV so everyone in Australia can watch it? Yeah, good call. Beauty up, Ludy. Yeah, good call. Most sensible, sensible thing I've heard is get the good games on free to air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's it might the make you think AFL yeah, can do. Might start making you feel a bit better about watching it. Yeah, look, I've, I've yeah, the, other, stuff the other thing too, big fella. I don't want to jump in here, but the other thing too. How can the network broadcasting free to air not have a game on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, they're a thing of the past, yep. aren't they? It's been no, that's that's yeah. ridiculous. You've got to, to have people, and especially in in lockdown, even if it's not lockdown, there's a lot of people that sit at home on Saturday with junior sports mostly played on a Sunday. If you haven't got Foxtel, you're not watching it, mm. and that's where a lot of people lose interest. If you haven't got Foxtel, you're not watching most of the games. Get a game on Saturday afternoon, two o'clock, two ten, Saturday afternoon, into the news and get people watching it again. Because most people, when when this COVID's not on, most people are at junior football on Sundays and don't watch the, the football anyway. Yeah. So get it on Saturdays. Yeah, good call, fair yeah, call. Good. 
Uh, Great call. I made the comment to you two blokes. Uh, I'd prefer to ca- uh, call a hand and football netball league game down here, um, which we do want to say they are, not obviously this year, than an AFL game because uh, it's more how football should be played. It's more free-flowing. Whereas an AFL game, Chuck, and you're in the commentary box as well, mate, it's uh, stop, start, yep. packs, ball-ups. It's uh, not real exciting to call. Well, I'm voting Merv Hughes for the AFL Commission. That's, uh, that's my <laughs> next point of call. Yes. Uh, and the big fella... What about, uh, what about six, in, six in your forward half at all times? Yep. I don't mind that. Yep, there's yep. A, there's like another it. one. Uh, the big stop, fella, stop big fella Footscray, the big fella Footscray said to me today, big fella Warnable, when I texted him and said, can you come on the show tonight? Uh, he said, no worries, help you out, as I knew he would do, which was great at short notice. He said, mate, uh, listen, I normally go to bed at about 8 o'clock, so can you send me a reminder, which I forgot to do. Uh, he said that he'd be in bed. We've, we've now carried him through mm. till 9 p.m., and this is what he was like as a teammate. You just couldn't freaking get rid of him. He's just hanging around. <laughs> last one to go home, last one to leave. Hey, Merv, while we've got you, just to wrap up tonight, uh, if you listen, let's have a listen to this theme song and tell us what show this is off because we've oh, had this three, we've had this three or four times uh, as part of our kind of show, and the boys still don't know what it's off. Come on, move. What's that off? Baba, I've got no idea. I'm not as old as you, oh, mate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How old do you think I am, move? Tell, I'm telling you, it, it, it was only shown in Warnable. It, it wasn't shown in mainstream. There's a big uh, grey German shepherd, on. mate. A big grey German shepherd dog that saved people. The littlest hobo. Oh, buddy, you've been tin tin. No, the littlest hobo ever in Jesus Christ. Was it the littlest hobo? The littlest hobo. So I, what, know, I can't, never saw it. Oh, well, this is the homework for the week, all right? I want you blokes to go and jump on YouTube and uh, just type in the littlest hobo and tell me that you have not seen that. It was like a, it was an American version of Lassie. Stewie, Stewie, on behalf of Merv Hughes, Darren Berry and Tim Ludeman, if you bring up the littlest hobo ever oh, again on our podcast, I'm going to get one of Clinton Bolsh's Nissan Warriors, run you over, and that's the end of the podcast. None of us watched it. None of us care. Get rid of the littlest hobo. None of, none of us have heard it. Normally, normally what, like Pelicans Island or Petticoat Junction or you know, something. But the littlest hobo. Oh, I, I, I can't, honestly. And I want our listeners, okay, so our podcast listeners, if you know of the littlest hobo, please drop us a line and let us know and put these blokes out of their misery because uh, you do not know what you've missed out on. I used to watch it every day, 4 o'clock, on the uh, other Win TV network down here in the Bull. All oh, seven of our listeners. If it was on, Chucky, it was on at 4 o'clock back in the 70s, I would never have been home because I always got kept in after school. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ludy, have you got an impersonation before we let uh, everyone go? I think I've done mine tonight, Stewie. <laughs> it was it's very good, too. Can you give us a, a bit? little hobo? <laughs> Google it, you blokes. All right, Merv, been a pleasure, big fella. We love your work and uh, great to have you on uh, Keeping It Real with Chuck Ludy and the big fella. 
Good on you, boys. Thanks for the invitation. What a superstar. Hey, Thanks, big man. fella Warnable, just before you hang up, oh, yes. I'm telling you, Merv will stay. He, he, he's going to stay on there at 10 o'clock. We, we, we would have hung up and he'll still be there. Saying, <laughs> hey, boys, where are we going fishing? <laughs> hey, some good tuna off the bull down here at the moment too, Merv. So get the boat down here. They're absolutely coming in in their droves. Yeah. Yeah. The been like? been still or windy? Nah, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. Mate, it's been outstanding, and it's been a bit cold, but it's been bloody good weather. Right, eh, boys? We're going to go out with a bit of you two tonight. Uh, one of my favourite bands. Bit of wither without Thanks, you. Boys. Thank you very much to Chuck Looney, and of course our special guest, Merv Hughes. Cheers, guys.